Welcome to the Financial Fund Podcast with your host, Tammy Johnston. This is where Tammy talks with business owner parents and grandparents about the interesting and important subject of money. We promise this to be an interesting and open discussion, as that's how we learn best. And now, here's your host, author of the Financial Foundations. Financial Foundations is a series of books to teach kids about money, goal setting, and living a balanced life. Find out more at financialfund.ca. Here's Tammy Johnston. First things first, I would like to thank all of my listeners that have subscribed and reviewed my podcast and invite you to subscribe and review if you haven't yet. I appreciate you helping us to get the word out and making financial literacy a safe and welcoming subject for kids and adults. Second, please check out my podcast website, financialfund.ca, where you will be able to access past shows, find out more about me and our guests, as well as purchase the beautifully illustrated Financial Foundations books that teach kids about money in a fun, healthy, and holistic way. Hello again, and thank you for joining us for the Financial Fund Podcast. And we have a wonderful guest with us today. His name is Christopher Hensley, and he is our first international guest on the podcast. Good afternoon, Chris. Hi, Tammy. (laughs) How are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. So you want to tell us a little bit about what you do, dear? Yeah, absolutely. So I actually, I have about three different hats that I wear. I I am the owner and an advisor with uh, Houston First Financial Group, which is an independent advisory firm here in Houston, Texas. Uh, I'm also the president of uh, the local chapter of the Houston Midtown chapter, chapter of the Society for Financial Awareness, which is a a nonprofit uh, 501c3 educational speakers bureau. And then I also host a podcast and a radio show uh, here in Houston called Money Matters. Yes, you're totally in person after my heart on the financial education. Thank you so much for being our guest today. And you're a parent. I am. I am. Yes. <laughs> I. I. Uh, we have a. Me, my wife Heather and uh, my. Uh, we have a son Alistair who is five, just about to be six at the end of the month. Oh my goodness! I remember. I remember that age. <laughs> it is a yes. It is a special age. <laughs> yes, they're they're definitely testing their independence and they're getting into all sorts of things. And then we wonder. How in the world do you not kill yourself on a daily basis? <laughs> it is a hand, he is a handful. Yes, this is true. <laughs> yes, when I when I talk with my my parents that have have the slightly younger kids, they're talking about how they have all this energy and they'd like to just siphon some of it off. And I'm going, how the kids get all the energy? I'm quite sure they're siphoning it off of us. <laughs> True, true. And me uh, me and my wife, we have been married. We just hit our 20-year uh, anniversary, so we waited a little bit late in life to, to have kids. Uh, so I'm 42, and uh, yes, it, I, when I see uh, parents that have more than one, I can't figure out how they do it because just the one keeps me busy all the time. <laughs> oh, I fully understand that. My hat's off to anybody who can handle more than one, but I think I'm up to close to 1,200 reasons why my husband and I have one child. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Each family works for whatever works for them. But yes, I love having my one child, and I'm very spoiled in the fact that she's a well-behaved, quiet introvert. <laughs> there you go. That's a good thing. <laughs> it is. It makes my life so much easier a lot of the time. So once again, like you said, thank you for being on our show. So 
what are some of the things that you learned about money as a kid? Like, obviously you learned a few things because you went into the industry, but what were some of the things that caught your attention when you were like your son's age? Yeah, yeah. I mean, if I think back to some of my earliest memories when it comes to money, uh, I was raised by a single parent mom, but I had a lot of influence from my grandparents. And I, I remember my uh, grandmother watched me during the days while my mom was at work. And I kind of re- I remember money as being something fun. Um, my grandmother had one of these buckets of they used to sell ice gallon of ice cream in these red buckets, <laughs> and so she would keep in the kitchen pantry she would keep a giant red bucket uh, a gallon bucket and she would put all of her pocket change in there so it would be pennies dimes quarters nickels mostly pennies though um and she would she would bring me into the fold there when it was time to roll the pennies and take them to the bank so i remember it was always a for me it was a, a neat experience to sit down with her to roll the pennies and then to take them to the bank and i remember you got a, I, I got a sucker or a lollipop when i got to the bank uh, and so those are pleasant memories for me, and um, that those are some of the ones that just kind of surface when I think about growing up around money. Oh, that's a, that's a, that's a good one. I could totally see how that would be fun when you were a kid. What were what were some of the memories that you had and things that you learned as you got a bit older? Because obviously you were a bit younger when you were doing that with your grandma. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, I, as I got older, I, I was raised around people that had a uh, a great work ethic. So I, I saw, uh, for instance, my aunt uh, was a hard worker and dedicated. She put herself through school. Um, pr- really big influence on me when it came to saving. Uh, I had, I worked pretty much full time since I turned 18 and uh, put myself through school and was able to get out on my own uh, at age 18 and have never looked back as far as far as working. Um, the savings part of it w- was huge. I mean, I, I started the very first job that had a 401k. Uh, I was excited about that and started putting money uh, away very, very quickly and and, uh, and saw uh, that grow and, and then ended up using part of uh, an IRA that I had rolled over into putting a down payment on a house um, at an early age, or I guess in my early 20s. So um, to, to see that, that, that idea that hard work pays off. Um, was something that I saw in my grandparents, I saw in my aunt, my my mom, who uh, had to not only wear the the single parent mom hat, but she had to wear the dad hat. She really had to do the work of two people there um, to see the discipline that it takes and the hard work to do that. That that has kind of uh, uh, come over with me, and hopefully it'll go over to Alistair as well. Well, that's definitely a great great one. I remember. Um, being introduced to RSPs and the magic of compound growth when I was 19 and started my first job at an investors group and they showed me that and that allowed me to start putting money aside which worked out to be the down payment on my husband's and I first condo and then ended up being our house and stuff like that so it's like it was really good to be introduced to that so young. It's 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 huge and I, I remember um, when I was in school uh, I for, I, I didn't even really get into investing until I was in, in my 20s, but I remember as a 
kid uh, looking at the newspaper when they w- would have the stock quotes in there every day and just looking at the numbers and the percentage sim- symbol. I was like, what is this? It was kind of a mystery to me, and uh, it, it drew me in. And so years later, uh, when I was in school and, and I worked at a bookstore as I was putting myself through, through school, um, I met somebody who was moon- moonlighting at the bookstore who was a banker. Uh, and kind of hit me to investing and, and recommended a couple of good books for me to get started. And uh, it, it, it helped dissolve that mystery of what is the stock market and what is investing. I guess it was later in life, it was something I had to go out and kind of seek the investment part myself as opposed to um, – I wasn't necessarily exposed to that as a teenager. Well, that's I think how – pretty much works for anybody like any of my clients or, or my colleagues or that are interested in money it's something they had to go out and look for themselves because it's not talked about in school and it's not talked about in normal conversations with people so it's like okay if you're really interested you can you can you can find someone who will kind of share this secret information with you and it's it's really quite sad if you ask me <laughs> This is true. This is true. I I find the same thing when I go out and talk. Um, you, you think about things like budgeting, uh, the, you know, balancing the checkbook, uh, buying a car, uh, buying a home. These are all some of the biggest transactions that people make in life. But there's not really a a class that. Uh, that teaches them about these very important things, not in high school and, and sometimes not even in college when it comes to, to personal finance. So there, there is a, a kind of a vacuum out there when it comes to this knowledge that, that, that people are hungry for information about financial literacy. Well, it, it, and I find it's not just the financial literacy. Like I'm a big, I'm a big fan of the TED Talks, and I actually just mm-hmm. recently rewatched um, – the two TED Talks, one by Ron Finley, he's known as the Gangster Gardener, and very, very cool because – and what he talks about, if, if if kids grow kale, kids will eat kale. If kids grow tomatoes, they'll eat tomatoes, but if they don't know what they are and where their food comes from and all that, they're going to be afraid of it, and we're not exposing our kids to this anymore. And then the other one that I was watching was um, Jamie Oliver, and he's talking about – uh, we don't teach our kids to cook anymore, and most of our kids are getting the majority of their meals from school, which is fine, but they keep cutting the budgets, and they don't have any food people on there, so that when they when they cut the budget, they're going, we just have to get more and more cheaper garbage, and how it's affecting the health, and how it's how it's affecting our, our national budgets for the health care, and all the different things, and we're we're losing so many of these vitally important life skills, handling money, how how to cook, how to budget, how to look after yourself. And it's having very negative effects across the board. Absolutely. You mentioned uh, I love Jamie Oliver. I have not seen the one, the Ron Finley uh, uh, TED Talk. And so I'm writing that down because I'm going to go back and check it out. Oh, totally uh, worth it. I mean, there there is a direct correlation between health and wellness and, and finance, and even eating healthy. The it, it 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 can be more expensive to eat healthy than it is to just go out and buy junk food. Um, and so, you know, this is all this all plays back into your budget and your your uh, peace of mind. And so, uh, very important correlation there. But I I found it yeah when I. I... When I, when I sit down with a lot of families, if they've got if they've got kids and they live in an urban center, 
because they're so busy and they're running they're running around to work and to extracurricular activities and they gotta get kids to this lesson and this soccer game and things like that. It is not uncommon for me to find families that are spending as much on eating out as they do on their mortgage or rent. Because they don't think about it. It's it's like, okay, well, I just got to grab So I didn't have time for breakfast. We slept in and have to get the kids there. So I'm just going to hit the Tim Hortons and grab a coffee and a, and a muffin and that. But it's only like, it's under five bucks. So it's not a problem. And then they're hitting Subway for lunch. And then, okay, we've got to hit the drive-thru because I got to pick up the kid right after school or daycare. And I got to get them to soccer practice or piano lessons or whatever. And you've got both parents that are doing this because most people have more than one kid. And they don't realize how much money is going into that, where if they just took a bit of time and planning and a bit of money and planned and made meals at home and packed them up. Like I, I, what I cook, I don't get to do a lot of it, but I will do like two or three nights at once, like make big meals and make TV dinners so that we've got them here. And it's so much cheaper and it's so much better for you. Absolutely. Uh, I'm kind of smiling here because uh, as a a financial advisor, I can validate exactly what you're saying, that that when I sit down and I've done budget counseling with with many clients and uh, finding that, that dining out uh, that 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 discretionary spending of dining out is one of the largest expenses that's on their their budget on a day to day basis. Uh, but I'm smiling about the 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 convenience part of it because uh, that that is what people are basically paying for. They're paying for the convenience to get this junk food, but it's it's uh, taking away from their health and and wellness as well. I mean they're uh, they're 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 doing this because they're um trying to do a lot of stuff at once they're stressed out that's going to take away from their total life expectancy uh and the cost of of uh of sitting down and 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 doing this and eating the junk food and all of that can, can be uh, not just expensive to your checkbook, but it can also be expensive on your life overall. Uh, stress-related disease, very, very expensive. Uh, uh, billions of dollars go into stress-related disease uh, across the U.S., like I'm sure across the world every single year. Yeah, it's it's absolutely gigantic, and it's one of the things. So I'm I'm I make my daughter cook with me, and she likes to fuss a little bit about it. But I've I've stressed to her more than once that my my job as her mom is to teach her how to be a capable and functioning adult when I kick her out of the house in a few years, and not to send her out with no life skills so she barely can wipe her own butt. Well, you know, I'm smiling because as the financial advisor, people don't get to see the other side of me, which is when I go grocery shopping, I do couponing, I buy in bulk, I vacuum seal, we use crock pots. I mean, I do all of the things that I recommend people do, um, and it does really end up saving you lots of money in the end when you when you when you eat in instead of dining out all the time. Um, I know it is, it's convenient to not have to say clean the dishes or something like that, but you really also get to see what's going into your body. You know, what you're cooking, you know what you put, what you're putting on the table, whether it's fresh, whether there's preservatives or chemicals in it. Uh, so it's, 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 
it is being frugal because I'm extremely frugal, but it's also finding a silver lining that you know you 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 can take advantage of uh, those situations to to eat healthier, to to make your uh, dollar stretch further than than uh, if you're just dining out all the time. Well, and I also find, like I said, when I'm help making my daughter help and things like that. It gives me an opportunity to talk to her and teach her about the things and find out about her day because my daughter's 13 now, so she speaks to me in fluent eye rolls a lot of the time. Because <laughs> <laughs> just dealing with those lovely teenage hormones and stuff like that. But it gives me that opportunity to interact with her and, and, and have the conversations. And, and I grew up in a rural area, and we never did without, but money was always tight. So one of the things that my mom was able to do, because we, we lived in a rural area, is we had gardens, like huge gardens. And my mom still has a garden, not anywhere near as big because she's by herself now. But I like being able to go out and, and, and teach my daughter that peas don't always come in a bag frozen already. Like This is what real food right. looks like. And, <laughs> and, and, and these are carrots and all this stuff before we get them processed and do all the different things because we live in a yard, large city and, and I'm not a gardener. <laughs> <laughs> I call princess. I don't really like getting dirty. <laughs> if, if there's any gardening to do, that's what my husband's for. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> but so when you're doing all this stuff, are you, are you getting any questions or anything from your son? Like, yes, he's a little bit young and stuff, but what type of questions and stuff is he asking you and your wife, especially with both of you being in the industry? Yeah, absolutely. So, so we are. I, I don't know if I'm, I'm. I mentioned it when we were offline, but I, the, Heather is also in the industry, so we're both uh, in finance, and it is something that we're. You know, it, it's conscious when when we go uh, shopping, but when we go grocery shopping, we do that as a family. So Alistair's with us. Um, he, he at at five, almost six. He he reminds me, I'm I'm almost six, Dad, uh, but. <laughs> At almost six, he's still learning. Uh, he's still learning about, uh, you know, he's he can count, but he's, you know, the idea. What's the difference between a hundred dollars and ten dollars? He's still learning some of that mm -hmm. stuff. Um, but a trip to the grocery store is a great time for him to learn that. Um, most of the things that he is he is interested in that cost money are toys right now, oh, of course. and it, it, it's it, that's a huge thing. Uh, for him and uh, being able to save for that, we, we have given him uh, money for chores um, and we help him learn to, to save and, and he ends up buying some of the toys himself. And um, at five, I think that's that's one good way for him to, to learn the value of a dollar. Uh, every penny counts and, and him saving as he goes uh, instead of us just buying every single thing he wants, we would go broke. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, especially if he ever watches TV. Even the TV shows yes. are like nonstop commercials. <laughs> yes, that is true. I we were trying to push as long as we could. Uh, we have Netflix here. Uh, it, it, do you guys have Netflix in Canada? We do, but we don't get all the same shows. We don't get okay. as good a lineup as you do. But yes, Netflix is huge in Canada. <laughs> one of the one of the positive things I liked about uh, Netflix is that it, there's a channel for kids, and that it was commercial free. So he as long as we were doing kind of the educational uh shows, I, I felt pretty confident in some of the stuff that comes out of PBS and uh some of the educational stuff. But when he got that age when he started watching the cartoons on the cable 
networks. Then there were commercials, and the very first, you know, shortly after that, when we were at the grocery store, uh, he would be drawn to the cereal boxes that have the toys on them and that sort of stuff. So we put that off as long the as we could. Cereal boxes still come with toys in them. They do, they do. I, I, I was surprised to, because uh, it's been so long. But yes, they do. Um, they're not exciting. <laughs> They're they're not exciting toys. Uh, I think one of them was like a – it's the equivalent of an ice cube tray that that you freeze milk in the shape of a a, uh, cartoon character. Oh, my. Okay. Yeah, and he had to have that, uh, and so we, tr- you know, we, we, those are learning opportunities for for him and for us to be able to teach him that you know, diff- that uh, sometimes the name brand versus the regular store brand, there's not much difference, and they'll uh, they'll put they'll have these endorsements from the television shows, the cartoon shows, and then that thing's going to be you know a dollar or two dollars more than just the the non name brand where he might be able to get double the quantity. Uh, for cereal is a good a good example of that. Um, so be, being aware of, of how the companies target their marketing to be able to drastically up their price that's a definitely a good thing to learn. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when I and, and I'm I'm very extreme when I I'm probably not the fun, the most fun person to go shopping with. <laughs> I feel like I, we're at war when we walk into the grocery store. I mean, the the marketers put candy at eye level for children. They I mean, it's basically they have uh companies that, that, that their whole job is to go in there and market it and make you impulse buy and impulse shop. So, I I'm uh, very big on making a list and sticking to it. I was just going to uh, ask: Are are you a strict <laughs> list shopper? <laughs> I, I am, and you know, there's there's always balance between me and my wife. Uh, you know, I'm way over on the other side with a being very disciplined on the list. Sometimes, if you do that, you end up with not enough food to eat because you know we forgot this, that, and the other. Uh, so she's we're, we're it's a good balance to keep us on track between the two of us. But um, that's one of the things we've been able to bring Alistair in. Is uh, is to hold the list, and so as we get something, he will actually check the list off for us, or or draw a line through it. So um, it you know at least he's getting to see what we're doing when we're going shopping and that sort of thing. That it's it's conscious spending as opposed to just uh, I, I know there are people out there when they get off of work. Uh, you know, they don't even do weekly or, or biweekly shopping. They just go straight after work, and you, you'll see them in line with like one meal. And uh, that's it's not a good way to budget or to, to uh, you're not able to buy in bulk and that sort of thing. We're we're way on the other side of the spectrum where we're uh, uh, freezer cooking and <laughs> all that stuff. <laughs> oh, you totally are after my own heart. Like we go, we yeah. go shopping here. One once a week, unless we have to like run for milk or something like that, because my daughter's growing and I, I, she's, I swear she's a little calf the way she goes through <laughs> milk and stuff like that. But yeah, it, I, I've read, I read different studies that for for every extra trip you make to a grocery store, you're going to be spending an extra fifteen percent over your budget because you're going to get those impulse items, and it, they they got it figured out. And all the grocery stores are laid out a certain way, and like you said, the 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 candy at eye level for kids or even like the average height of a woman is where they put the most high profit items mm-hmm. on the stores because it's like, hey, if it's up or up higher or down lower, it you're usually getting getting a better deal. I don't know I haven't been into too many grocery stores down in the States, but one of the things that I really like 
that they're doing more in Canada in all of our grocery stores that I've seen is they actually put the like the price per serving or hundred grams so that you can actually go through and compare and go yes. figure out because sometimes oh well if I get the larger one well it's cheaper well if you actually go through and no this one's on sale so I can get two of the smaller ones and it's a, and it's less per. So I'm also making a point of pointing that type of stuff out to my daughter so that she can learn to make those comparisons herself. We do that as well. The the uh, the per ounce or per whatever per unit is. Uh, most of the grocery stores here have that on there, and I, every time I'll look at you know what's the what's the deal, and then what's it is it uh, per ounce or if it's uh, paper towels per sheet. Um, what's the real cost there? And, and, uh, a lot of times, whatever they, they've got the big sign on that they're advertising isn't necessarily the, the, uh, most cost effective. So, so if there is one thing, well, no, not one thing. If there were three things that you could make sure that your son knows before he graduates high school so that you feel that you are successful as a parent in teaching him the financial lessons, what are the three things you would want your son to learn? Oh, so that the 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 biggies for things that I want them to learn, uh, really just the ha- the biggest ones, the habit of savings. Uh, as a financial advisor, my most successful clients aren't uh, uh, geniuses when it comes to trading the stock market. The one thing that they have in common is that somewhere early in their life they develop this muscle. Uh, of saving, of slow incremental growth, of putting it, uh, putting money aside. Uh, I would call that pay yourself first. Yep. Uh, e- even before paying the, the, the creditors, I hate to say it, uh, the creditors are still going to be there at the end of the day. I'm not telling you not to pay your bills, uh, but being able to, to put that, that being that disciplined about putting money aside and paying yourself first, that habit of savings, is huge. Um, that's something I, I want him to, uh, that we're teaching him now, but I want him to carry it, you know, forth into the rest of his life. Uh, the power of, of compound interest, uh, teaching, you know, teaching him what compound interest is, ha- how it can be a, a, a positive thing when it's working for you, when you're saving. Uh, but it can also be a negative thing if you have credit cards. Um, and I, I guess the third thing I would say is that credit cards are bad. <laughs> uh, I, I definitely, uh, you know, these are mistakes that I see uh, adults uh, make over and over again of of getting into a, a kind of that credit card uh, downward spiral and, um you know, there, there's arguments that, that, you know, if you're going to get a home or a car that you want to have some credit history, uh, but there's a happy balance between that and, and the average person I see that comes into my office that has debt has about $16,000 in debt. Um, when the people come in and they don't have any debt, it's there's usually a story behind it. Most of them have had debt in the past and they've learned, uh, they've taken a, a disciplined approach of paying it off. Um, and so to teach him that, 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 that credit cards should be used sparingly, that you shouldn't, um, go down that, that road, uh, it would be something that I, I would want to let him know before he gets there. Well, those are definitely lessons that are important and I can fully agree with. So thank you so much for joining us. It's been a great conversation. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you for having me on. Anytime, anytime. Have a great day. You too, Tammy.
Before we leave each other, I would ask all of you listening to please subscribe to and rate my podcast. A review would be most appreciated and feedback is always welcome. Whether it be a comment, future topic suggestions, and or questions you or your kids would like to have answered in the Ask Tammy column on the financialfund.ca website. Please feel free to check me out on Facebook at Financial Foundations Children's Books, on Twitter at Financial Fun, and Instagram at Financial.Fun. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Financial Fun Podcast. Join Tammy Johnston again next week. For more information, please visit financialfund.ca.